great songs to express the glories of the gospel, the good news of God for sinners. Great songs in the slideshow, great songs that we're singing together to remind us of what is most important in this life, what is most important in this world, the great gift that God gave to the world. It was what was most important in Peggy's life for sure. How do you describe Peggy Moore? Here are some of the words that come to mind. Classy, dignified, humble, generous. I want to thank you for being here today to share this time of remembering her life. Life that God gave her. And then he added to that life, new life. New life in Christ. She was an excellent wife, a submissive wife, a supportive wife. Brother, you chose well. (laughs) She would speak of you with such respect, such respect and love and devotion. We saw all the pictures with the family, and that was a, a story of her life, one of the great loves of her life. She was small, but she was tough. She was feeble in her latter years, but she was a fighter, even to the end. We can say of Peggy that she loved Christ. She loved the Bible. She loved her husband of 57 years. She loved her family, and she loved her church. And I would probably put it in that order. (laughs) She left a great legacy. That was a word that was used. A great legacy to two daughters. Five grandchildren. Seven great grandchildren. Peggy was serious. My experience with Peggy is she was a very sober-minded individual. And I would say single-minded. Single-minded. God was her life. Son-in-law Steve said it well, and and, and in all reverence, God was her hobby. God, God's word, God's truth was her primary interest in life. The Peggy I was able to know for the last 16 years was also a very sensitive person. Sensitive to people, sensitive to their needs, sensitive to their feelings. And sensitive to God's truth. And wanting to bring the two of those things together as often as she could. I considered her a friend. She was a counselor to me at times. And a constant support and supporter. I knew I had her prayers. I knew she had my back. And I would say if you've ever preached from this pulpit... Or if you've ever taught Sunday school over in the fellowship hall and Peggy was present, you will understand what I'm about to say. Peggy kept us on our toes there. And she did it in the most gentle, loving, supportive way. If you were going to teach a Sunday school class, you better have done your homework. And she might just raise her hand. And I've heard teachers say, oh, if she starts to raise her hand, (laughs) You're going down. You know? <laughs> she, 
she would call me frequently on a Monday with a question about a sermon or a tidbit that maybe I left out or an encouragement of what was being said. Such a precious uh, support. The last few years, uh, two, I guess, in particular, have been hard. They've been hard on the family. They were hard on Peggy. They were difficult times. Uh, there were many struggles uh, as her body was so weak and so feeble. But they would want you to know today that God was in it. God was in the struggle. God had ordained the number of her days. And she left this earth right on schedule. There was nothing that could be done to keep her here a day longer or a day shorter. God used the struggle. God used the trial of a body that was failing her. It dawned on me as I was sitting down with Jack and Debbie and Joni and Steve and Jerry. It dawned on me. Because they experienced this and I experienced this. That God used some of that struggle to drive the gospel deeper into our hearts and souls. Because we would be preaching the gospel to her one on one. Constantly reminding her of God's love for her. What Jesus did on the cross for her. Taking her eyes to that place over and over and over again. And, and I told the family, I said, I believe with all of my heart that some of my best gospel sermons <laughs> have been just between me and Peggy. <laughs> as, as we sought to minister to her in those difficult times. We bless God for that. Debbie and Joni, I want to commend the two of you as daughters for your love for your mom, your service, your hours, your sacrifice. The trips, the endless trips. Husbands that supported you in that. We commend you for that. That was right. It was honorable. God was pleased. Jack, I want to commend you. (laughs) Being a loving husband. Did all you could do to make her as comfortable as possible. We commend you for that. It was obvious to all around this family as we watched you through this time. That you loved her and she loved you. Her days were ordained when as yet there was not one of them. What great comfort that is. As she neared the end of her life, a couple of stories illustrate for us the desire and the determination that was in this frail body. They're just little insights that challenge us this afternoon. Jack would call her on Sunday mornings to pick her up, let her know he's coming to get her for church as she was in the nursing home. And Jack, I guess this might have been a little playful game they might have had together, but Jack would say, now, Peggy, it's really cold outside. Are you sure you want to come to church? Oh, yes, I'm sure. Peggy, it's really rainy today. Are you sure you want to come to church? Oh, I am sure. Well, I'm not sure I can pick you up. Well, then I will find someone who will. (laughs) Does that not tell you a lot about this person? 
Here's the other one. Her last Sunday at Kerrville Bible Church, which was five days before her exit. And she sat right back there by the door in the wheelchair. And on her last Sunday, this was two Sundays ago now, during the sermon, she began to have a low moment, uh, blood sugar low, and was, I guess, sort of passing out. And so the family had to take her out. And she's kind of, you know, slumping and, and barely, you know, hanging on in consciousness. And they're taking her out through the foyer. And she turns and says to Debbie, take me back in there. <laughs> I do not want to leave. <laughs> would that all of God's people would have that kind of attitude about church and about preaching. <laughs> That's why I tell you she was a friend and a supporter. I ask you, do you feel that way? Do you feel that way about gathering with God's people? Rain or shine, heat or cold, no matter what it takes to get there, do you feel that way? Because you don't want to miss the worship of God, the singing of God's praises. She had a beautiful voice. Even here at the end, my dad, who can't be here anymore but because of my mom, my dad would say he could hear her voice. Back there in the back row, what a beautiful voice it was, singing God's praises. She wanted to hear God's truth. She wanted to learn to the last day of her life. Do you feel this way? Do you feel this way about preaching? That when you hear the Bible, you're hearing the voice of God speak into your life. And you say, I can't get enough of that. Take me back in there. May that be the way we all live. I want to close with something that I learned from Peggy several years ago that I know for certain she wants everyone here to know. And for me, it was one of those things that I know and I understood to be true the moment I heard her say it. I had just never heard it put this way. But as soon as she said it, I was just like, it was one of those aha moments on the phone. I don't know if this is word for word exactly what she said, but this is the thrust of it. She said, our standing in Christ is better than Adam's standing before he sinned. Our standing in Christ is better than Adam's standing before he sinned. I want to unpack that for just a moment, because this is a glorious, glorious Heart of the gospel kind of truth. You need to understand this truth this morning. Peggy would want you to know this. Adam had a standing before God before he sinned. He was God's first creature. He made him from the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He placed him in a place of paradise. He gave him one rule. Don't eat from one particular tree. And Adam was there in that garden with his wife Eve in a place of perfection. All of their needs met. They walked with God and they were naked and they were unashamed. And they had a perfect relationship with each other and with God. There was no guilt. There was no sin. Their life was beautiful. But Adam's standing was one of innocence. Adam's standing was one that could fall, could change, could move away from God. Adam was spiritually alive, but he could become spiritually dead. And of course, Adam did sin and those things did happen and sin entered into the human experience. Sin and evil came into the world as Adam and Eve ate of that tree that God said, do not eat of this tree. In the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And they immediately died spiritually. 
to God. Their relationship with God was severed. They were no longer in fellowship with God because sin had now come between them and God. And they began to die physically. Where there is sin, death inevitably follows because the Bible says the wages of sin, the pay for sin is death. And so Adam had this wonderful standing, but then he lost it. And God, in his grace, began to move out toward Adam and Eve, didn't he? God sacrificed the animal to cover them instead of their pathetic fig leaf covering. And most people would believe that Adam and Eve will, in fact, be in heaven. That God covered their sin there with that sacrifice, that first sacrifice. That sacrifice that would be a foreshadowing of the sacrifice to come. There's a trail of blood from the Garden of Eden to the cross. As these animals were sacrificed one after the other, Passover lamb after Passover lamb, pointing to the one who would come, who would take away man's sin, who would come and reverse what Adam had done. Adam failed. Adam was our representative. Adam was our great, 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 great. We came from him and God placed him there and gave him a probationary period and he failed and we failed in him and we fell into sin. And that's why the world is the way it is. And that's why everything that's destructive and miserable miserable about our own individual lives is that way. So what then is this standing that we can have in Christ? We're born in Adam. We must be born again in Christ. We have no choice about coming from Adam. God says in his word, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If we are found in Christ, we then have the standing of Christ. If we are only found in Adam, we have Adam's standing and it's one of sinfulness. Our standing in Christ is better than Adam's standing before he sinned. Why is that? Because our standing in Christ can never be taken away from us. Our standing in Christ is one of perfect righteousness. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and turn away from a life of unbelief and sin, if you embrace Christ as your Lord and Savior and the only way to heaven... If you trust in the one who said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the father but through me. If you trust in him and him only, then the standing that you have before God is his standing. You become covered in the righteousness of Christ and it is a righteousness that you cannot lose. It's not based on our performance. It's based on his performance. He lived the perfect life. He died in our place. He rose from the dead. And he can give us this gift of righteousness. We look at our own performance and it's up and down, up and down. We sin, we obey, we struggle, we stumble, we're tempted, we fail. But Christ never failed. And those who are found in Christ have his standing before God. It is a standing of perfection, of acceptance. Our standing in Christ is better than Adam's standing before he sinned. This explains to us something of why God allowed sin to happen, because God, in his infinite grace and mercy, wanted to improve the standing of his people in Christ. What a glorious thing this is. Salvation, you see, is a free gift. It's not earned. And because it's a free gift, you can't lose it. It can't be taken away from you. You are given the gift of eternal life by placing your faith in Christ. And this life never ends. 
Christ himself, if he was here present in bodily form, would plead with you today. He would plead with you today to examine your heart, to examine your life. To see, am I ready to stand before God? What is my standing before God? That's the question I would ask you to pose to yourself today. What is my standing before a holy God? And am I ready to meet my maker? Your standing is either in Adam. And listen, that's not good. Or it's in Christ, the second Adam. The second Adam, the last Adam. And in that, you will sail away to eternal life. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In a blink of an eye. If you're not found in Christ, it goes the other direction. That's why I said Peggy would want you to know this. God wants you to know this. The Bible calls it good news. It's good news for people who are not perfect.